Ah, shit. That's how you start it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I really hope. Travis, you keep that in there. That's, how it be. That's where this entire fucking yeah. episode's going. Yeah. Ah, shit. Exactly. Um, man, 1939 pretty much rules. Well, uh, <laughs> in film anyway. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. well, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's more than fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've spent pretty much my entire week watching Best Picture nominees. Jelly. Nice. I I only watched the seven that I could watch for free. Yeah. Yeah. Or with yeah. with paid scri- subscriptions of things that I have. Yeah. Yeah. I spent my week realizing that my daughter has the exact same sleep schedule as me, which is wide awake at ten o'clock at night until three o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Nice. Which is awesome for me, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Except I'm not the one who can feed her. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, like that's the problem that's uh owen would not take a bottle yeah period yeah until he was about like one and a half so <laughs> that was always a problem for us Here, here's yeah. the, See, the I, solution I, is <clears throat> you have your wife pump and then you put your baby on your chest and just kind of pour the milk <laughs> like you're simulating <laughs> yeah no, not never mind so we actually have bottles <laughs> that are kind of boob shaped uh-huh. a little bit the problem is, is that we don't really, she doesn't pump as much, right? Yeah. She's, she's, and also Evelyn, we're, we're worried a little bit about nipple confusion, I guess is yeah. a thing. Yeah. So, and she eats bottles like daddy does to a freaking Bud Light <laughs> where it's just gone in half a second. So yeah, it is. So we just want to make sure that that doesn't. Right. Absolutely. Because I don't want her, you know, going up to mom and being like, Hey. You know, I'm used to an open tap going on. What's going on? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah. All right. 1939 movies, man. That. Uh, how, hmm. how about we talk about a movie? Yeah. Yeah. Let, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's, let's, let's talk do it. About let's get we'll into this bullshit. people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm Zach McCoy. We are your Oscar Grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, a show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and to try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week, Jonathan? We are watching Gone with the Wind. That's all I'm going to give you right now. We're going to talk about this movie pretty passionately, so buckle up. Okay, and... uh off the top here, I guess we're going to do a big content warning. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk of racism and slavery oh, shit. and possibly other topics like marital rape. So uh, anybody who may be a little bit sensitive to that, we don't blame you if you do not want to listen to a conversation on it. Uh, so we'll we'll put that out there. And uh, I guess I'll go ahead and read this now. Uh, HBO. Earlier this year, in uh, light of the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, removed Gone with the Wind from its programming because Warner Brothers, of course, owns the distribution rights to the film. Uh, and they removed it from their from their streaming platform, HBO Max, only to return it later with an intro. And here I'm going to give a paraphrased version 
of the intro from film scholar Jacqueline Stewart saying that these racist depictions were wrong then and are wrong today. And we felt to keep this title up without an explanation and denouncement of those depictions would be irresponsible. Producer David O. Selznick was well aware that black audiences were deeply concerned about the film's handling of the topic of slavery and its treatment of black characters. Despite producer Selznick assuring African-American viewers that the film would sensitively handle their concerns, Stewart said Gone with the Wind instead presents the antebellum South as a world of grace and beauty without acknowledging the brutalities of the system chattel slavery upon which the, this world is based. The film's treatment of this world through a lens of nostalgia denies the horrors of slavery as well as its legacies of racial inequality. Thank you for reading that. Not a problem. Uh, I, I felt that was a nice place to start or, and I was, I'm thankful to Zach for getting that quote for me while I was busy reading the Hobbit to my children. Wonderful. We, we finished the Hobbit tonight. It, it is oh, awesome. A really good book. I cannot wait to read that. My daughter, I, Oh, I can't wait. Well, I just yeah. want to put this out there before, uh, since we're talking about uh, overlooking uh, racism in the antebellum South, that uh, the Hobbit has some pretty anti-Semitic language about the dwarves in it. So, oh, dude, dude, it's not just the dwarves. <laughs> like, what do you think the orcs are? Oh my God, well, don't get me started. There's, there's no orcs in this one. There's goblins. Which That's true. It's a goblins, completely different yes. thing. But yes, hold on. Well, and there's trolls too. I actually took a picture the other day and. I don't know if I should really get into this now, but I'm going to go ahead. Uh, I took a picture of a description of the dwarves in the book, and uh, I thought I would read it. Dwarves are not heroes, but calculating folk with a great idea of the value of money. Some are tricky and treacherous and pretty bad lots. Some are not, but are decent enough people like Thorin and company if you don't expect too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Although, gross. I don't mean to laugh at it. I, I just don't know what else to do sometimes. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. I've just I've always been bothered by the facts that uh, Gary Gygax, his whole fantasy world in D&D is basically Tolkien. <laughs> and the whole orc race and half orcs are always, you know, made by violence, rape and brutality and how half elves are always made of love and like, hmm. Yeah. Interesting there, fellas. <laughs> Gygax, you piece of shit. Yeah. Oh, let's, white people. Yeah, let's not even get yeah. started on Lovecraft. Oh, God. Mm. Okay. Mm. Now that we've got all <laughs> that fun conversation started, <laughs> let's do an Oscar breakdown. Break it down. All right. Uh, Gone with the Wind, our Best Picture winner, is nominated mm. for 13 Academy Awards. It wins eight and is also given to uh, special awards. So, starting at the top, Best Picture, uh, beating out. Do you want me to list all of them, or should I just do some highlights? I'll just go ahead. Yeah, you can list all on. of them from that. Yeah. All right, so it's yeah. Dark Dark Victory, uh, Goodbye Mr. Chips, Love Affair, Frank Capra's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, Ninochka, uh, Lewis Milestone uh, of Mice and Men. Lewis Milestone, of course, uh, won Best Director for On the Western Front. All Quiet on the Western Front. My brain just went somewhere weird. Uh, <laughs> John Ford's Stagecoach. Victor Fleming's The Wizard of Oz. So he ends up uh, with two films in the Best Picture category. And uh, Wuthering Heights, which is incredible. Hmm. Weathering, weathering. I... 
So Monty Python did a sketch where they do Wuthering Heights in Semaphore. And I'm always trying to find that clip because it's amazing. <laughs> nice. Uh, Victor Fleming wins Best Director for Gone with the Wind. We'll get into that. Uh, Robert Dona beats out Clark Gable for Good uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips. He is playing Mr. Chips uh, in what Delicious. is... And what is considered a giant upset. Uh, Vivian Lee wins Best Actress for uh, playing Scarlett O'Hara. All right. This is probably my favorite win of 1939, but Thomas Mitchell wins Best Supporting Actor for Stagecoach. And it's probably because it's his biggest of his three roles in this year, but he is also a supporting actor in Gone with the Wind playing Scarlett O'Hara's father. He's also a supporting actor in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, he is also in another film that gets some nominations this year, but uh, he beats out his Mr. Smith Goes to Washington co-stars Harry Carey and Claude Rains. Claude Rains, of course, everybody out there is the Invisible Man. Harry Carey here. Harry Carey. Not that guy. Hey, no one. Uh, moving on. So uh, Thomas Mitchell wins for Stagecoach. He could just as easily have been nominated for his other two. His performance as Stagecoach is amazing. If you haven't seen Stagecoach, it is one of the greatest films of all time. Go check it out. Um, Hattie McDaniel wins Best Supporting Actress for playing Mammy and Gone with the Wind and beats out her co-star, Olivia de Havilland. I have a lot of notes on that, but I want to keep getting through this real quick. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. The notes on that are horrific and depressing. <laughs> um... <laughs> Mr. Smith goes to Washington and wins best story. Gone with the Wind wins best screenplay. Its winner, Sidney Howard, is the first person to ever receive a posthumous award. Oh, okay. Um, oh. I realize I got into the award stuffs. I will get into the story after I finish this uh, breakdown. Okay. Uh, Best live action one reel goes to Busy Little Bears and Paramount Pictures. Best live action two reel goes to Sons of Liberty for Warner Brothers. Podcast within a podcast. Walt Disney Oscar watch. Yay. Yay. Walt Disney wins best animated short film. Everyone is surprised. No one's surprised for The Ugly Duckling. Oh, okay. I remember That's that one. one. I like that one a lot. Uh, this makes his yeah. 10th Academy Award in eight years, and still nobody else has won this category. <laughs> but at least he was only up against himself once for that one. No, it's been a couple times, but there was the one year where it was like five. Well, I mean, like, there's only one other Disney. Oh, 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 I, okay, I see what you mean. Yes, he was yeah. only nominated against himself for The Pointer, uh, but detouring America for Warner Brothers and Peace on Earth for MGM Fillout. The rest of the category. Yeah. Uh, Stagecoach wins best score. Very deservedly, because the score in that is amazing. Oh, wait, hold on. Best scoring. And best original score. Wait, what? What's my note here? Uh, I don't have a note on why there are two of these Academy Awards, and I'm very confused all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, okay, all right, here we are. So, Stagecoach wins... Best scoring, original song score, and or adaptation. I don't really know what all that means. Oh, so was Stagecoach based on some other music? It must have been. I don't really know. Because hmm. there are some interesting uh, films in this category that 
I did. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, there are some interesting films in this category that I didn't really know were based on other things. So that's really weird. Uh, original song score and or adaptation. Wizard of Oz wins best original music score. Very nice. Uh, very well deserved because that's a great yes. score. Uh, Over the Rainbow by Harold Arlen and Yip Harburg wins best original song. Uh, when Tomorrow Comes wins best sound recording, beating out Gone with the Wind. Oh, Gone with the Wind also lost best original score. Uh, I think that's all. It's a little lost that I didn't cover. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Gone with the Wind wins best art direction. Very deserved. No matter what else you have to say about the film, it is gorgeous. Uh, it has a couple <laughs> of pretty looking moments. This is this is art direction. The sets. Art direction? Art direction. Like the sets and Ah over Wizard of Oz though. Maybe not. I mean, yeah, Wizard of Oz is amazing looking. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're they're definitely one two, whichever way you I, prefer. I kind of think Gone with the Wind gets it for just the pure grandeur of the sets and how much money was spent on the film. Mm. Oh boy. All right. Uh, best film editing goes to Gone with the Wind. Uh, and then this year, we add two categories. We split cinematography for black and white and color. Wuthering Heights wins the best black and white. Gone with the Wind wins best color. And then we get the best special effects has returned. Yay. All right. So here we are. And The Rains Came wins best special effects beating Gone with the Wind. Okay. Okay. That's a terrible title. Now, now we're going to get into some honorary awards. Douglas Fairbanks, the original Academy president and uh, creator of United Artist and Swashbuckling Silent Star, gets an yes. honorary award for recognizing the unique and outstanding contribution of Douglas Fairbanks, the first president of the Academy, to international development of motion picture. The Motion Picture Relief Fund gets an honorary award for acknowledging the outstanding services to the industry during the past year of the motion picture relief fund and its progressive leadership presented to Gene Herschelt, president Ralph Morgan, chairman of the executive committee, Ralph block and first vice president Conrad Nagel, uh, William Cameron Menzies wins a separate Academy award for the outstanding achievement of the use of color for the enhancement of dramatic mood in the production of gone with the wind. So they split the cinematography category. So Gone with the Wind can win best color cinematography. And then they give it an honorary award for how great the cinematography is. And then the Technicolor company for its contributions in successfully bringing three color feature production to the screen. Uh, the Irving G. Thalberg award this year goes to David O. Selznick, who in 1939 produced Gone with the Wind. So that's its. 10th Academy Award. All right. Uh, and then uh, the Academy recognizes Judy Garland for The Wizard of Oz for with a juvenile award. And it is presented to her by Mickey Rooney, who the two of them <laughs> go on to create a bunch of <laughs> lovely musicals together. Yeah. Um, the big the big story going into this year is that the Los Angeles Times prints out the winners in advance. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not everybody reads them. 
But some people do, including Clark Gable, who apparently is a gentleman and doesn't tell people. And uh, yeah, so the Price Waterhouse Cooper or Waterhouse or who, whatever their name is at this time uh, decides that they are no longer going to let anybody know ahead of time except for themselves. And so that's how that starts. So do we get the, like, okay. the sealed envelope start the next year? Yep. Or? yep. Nice. Uh, Bob Hope makes his first Oscar appearance as host. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, so keep that name in mind because you're going to hear it a lot. <laughs> is uh, he the host, most hostiest? Yes, he is the hostiest with the mostiest. Gotcha. It's like him. And I don't then, know if Billy Crystal I, was close. I was going to say it's him and then Billy Crystal. But I, I, yeah. I don't think Billy Crystal has hit double digits. Bob Hope is more than sure. a few. So should we have a podcast within a podcast? Bob host Bob Hope host watch. Yeah. <laughs> the hope with the most. Like, yeah. um, I hope he hosts. Anyway, uh, Sidney Howard, who was the writer of Gone, the script for Gone with the Wind, who received, received his posthumous award, was killed in a freak tractor mishap. All right. <laughs> I just mm. thought that was an interesting enough. That all the details? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not that I... <laughs> Not that we need the gruesome details. Right. Well, I mean, I just want to know what constitutes a freak tractor accident. Is it like just as simply the dude accidentally walked in front of one or did something come from the tractor and knock him in? Like corn will fly sometimes. I'm just saying. My my guess is he died in the freak tractor accident or mishap or whatever. And uh, somebody came and just found him. Mm. And then I, I guess I, I should have at least when I mentioned Hattie McDaniel mentioned that not only is she the first black actor to win an Academy Award, but the first black actor to uh, to attend an Academy Award ceremony. She was she the in first ever the nomination to corner. Too? Yes. The first ever nomination. The first. Yeah. No. Yeah. In the corner by the kitchen. Yep. Uh, by herself. Uh, yep. A, a kitchen that apparently when Olivia de Havilland lost to her, uh, Olivia de Havilland ran to said kitchen and cried until uh, she was, I believe it was David O'Selznick's wife had to go in and pretty much smack her in the face and be like, you need to get over it. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. After she played such a sweet lady. White people be white people. Yep. Yeah. Um, now I have white people <laughs> taco night in my head. Thanks. <laughs> so, uh, Gone with the Wind, of course, 13 nomination. It's the first film to win double digit Academy Awards and it will hold the record for, I think another 20 years. Keep that in mind. All right. Oh, I will be, Oh, go ahead. Try. I'm, I'm not going to tell you the answer if, if you don't get it, but so yeah, not, it's a, it's a, yeah, I know it is. Maybe pretty obvious, pretty obvious answer that I should know right off the top of my head. Probably. Probably. If, Zach, if do, you, do you have right. a guess? Is it, is it Ben Hur? It is Ben Hur. Very yeah. nice. It, well done. I would have not have gotten that. Exactly 20 years. It, it's the first film to win 11 Oscars, but we'll get yeah. to that when we get to that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. More notes about the actual ceremony uh, or uh, with uh, Hattie McDowell. But I mean, you, you mentioned how poorly they like they had to make an exception of the segregation to allow her in. And then they stick her in the corner. It's like, actually, uh, no, that's a, that's a different note. Okay. Uh, the, the film premiered in Atlanta. Yeah. And in Atlanta, they had they still had deep segregation laws and she was not allowed to go to the premiere of the film. Right. 
And Clark Gable apparently almost uh, did not go to the premiere of the film because he was very mad about that. Yeah, I, I read that note, too. He's he is the consummate gentleman. But she like told him, no, go, go. It's OK. But yeah. So, yeah, I, I saw something about that. Like the hotel where the Academy Awards was hosted, like had to make an exception for her, which may, doesn't make sense because I don't know if segregation was. I'm I'm sure there were some I segregation laws in yeah. California yeah. at the time. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. All right. So here's how I think we need to do this. We need to <clears throat> separate the shittiness of this movie. So let's start with the shitty content of this movie. Okay. <laughs> mm. So as Paul started off this podcast with uh, how HBO brought it back and talked about the uh, the terrible things that are in this movie that was basically half of the movie was the glorification slash pity party for the struggles of the Confederacy. Yeah. I hate. Mm-mm. I mean, it's not just the first half of the movie. The second <laughs> The second oh, half, oh, no, coming, that's just the coming out of <laughs> the the intermission. You have a bunch of limping. Like, was that coming out of the intermission? I don't remember now. Like, I I don't even. All right, listen. I it took me an entire day to watch this movie, and that's not just the three hour and forty freaking minute runtime. I had to walk away from this and. This is my mother's favorite movie. My mother collected collector plates of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. My childhood was looking inside of these cabinets filled with just gone with the wind memorabilia everywhere. All right. And I hated the movie as a child because it was boring as a kid and I just didn't like it. I was just so immersed because of how often my mom watched it. As an adult, when I watched it, I hate it for its content. And yeah, it's the biggest problem of this movie. And, and once again, for a three hour and 40 minute movie, its biggest problem is how terrible it is and how much it glorifies its terribleness. Right. Zach, you got anything you want to add to that? Um, I was just going to add, you know, you mentioned it being your mom's um, favorite and I'm not going to mention any names specifically, but I have family members who like don't collect movies and yet they own a copy of Gone with the Wind just for the <laughs> historical significance or whatever. I mean, I read where it's been voted multiple times as recently as 2014 as the most popular movie for Americans. Like, how is... It is, it how, is with inflation, is, the highest grossing film of all time. If we encountered yeah. inflation, it doubles the intake of uh, Endgame. The highest, gro- the highest grossing film of all time. Giant uh, air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. If I was completely blind to any social injustice, I would go, that's a pretty decent movie. But this is one of the most overt, terrible fucking movies ever. Like, it's just not hiding any of it at all. Yeah. It is in your face from the, the, the book it was written from to, yeah. to on film how terrible, terrible every character in this movie is, except for one. So, which, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, no, that's fine. So, yeah, it it is pretty much a whitewashed version of the Confederacy. It is 
very, very overlooking how horrible the institution of slavery was. It is, it does so much to build up the, the idea of the poor, poor South and how they were done wrong in the mainstream for decades to come. I mean, here we are. Yeah. Here we are 81 years later and it's still, you can still feel the reverberations of what this film pushed. And you know what this film's worst offense is? What's that? Go ahead. It's a fucking masterpiece. This film is (laughs) fucking amazing and I hate it for it. I'm so mad at this movie. I can't, I I literally cannot say that. I'm sorry. And and that's why I said I want to separate content from the film itself. I want to get through how shitty the content of this film is first before we talk about the, the cinema achievements that it could have been. But let's, let's, I don't want to wrap it up. I I, I just, I want to amend what you just said. The cinema achievements that it is not what it could have been. The cinema achievements that it is, which is, I was just going to say, regardless of our, our thoughts and opinions and, and the way that it's um, viewed in retrospect, it has all, it has all the accolades and it's, you know, I, I, I literally We'll get there. I want to say yeah. we'll get there. I, I just, okay. I just I, want to I, put it out there that objectively, this film achieved things that were not done at that time, and sure. it pushed cinema forward so yeah. far. And okay. that's why I, it. This film would not be talked about the way it is today if it wasn't for that. Right. Sure. And 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 I feel like I want to get there with you. I want to have that argument with you. Okay. But I feel some more needs to be said about the shittiness of this. Oh, movie. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Yeah, there's yeah. there's plenty shitty there's plenty shitty in the movie there's plenty shitty behind the scenes of this movie that oh i'm sure (laughs) so this film is a a blight and a blemish in so many ways i i just i real world and artistically i almost want to break this down to per character at this point so let's let's kind of start it off with scarlet okay so here we have what is supposed to be the bratiots of brat yeah like i mean just Oh, yeah. And Vivian Lee. Just the worst. Vivian Lee like, plays her to perfection. Her performance yes. in this film is incredible. She deserved that Academy Award. Sure. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I just, and, and the character herself, when I see Karen, I see Vivian Lee. <laughs> That's what I see. Just a teenage version of a Karen growing up to be the worst of the worst. Yeah. She, uh, I, I'm going to start by saying um, my favorite part of the movie outside probably the cinematography is uh, uh, Scarlett's eyebrow. Um, at least, you know, in the beginning, it gets a little old after a while. But because my yeah. wife has the same eyebrow and I was like, oh, that's hot. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I knew it was coming at some point. She, of course. She, she really, she makes a character that is so easy to hate and yet has become so idolized. No, I, I just, and, and this may be one of those things where it's just, it's again, it's what I'm calling the Benicio Del Toro effect, where Benicio Del Toro was so good at playing the worst kind of person in Fear and Loathing, I don't like Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. The character herself, though, I mean, was made to be not a good person, to be the worst. Um, and... The problem that comes from this character is you're supposed to get that, and you do for the most part. 
And when the movie tries to go, hey, Scarlet, why don't you not be such a bitch to the slaves? It's so washed over so quickly. She's like, no, that's just how I'm supposed to talk to them. It's okay. They're let, they're under me. That you, 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 you're supposed to go from this character. Hey, you're the worst. I shouldn't be like that to no, she was right. So that must mean everything else she was right was right. I, 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 I don't know if I'm uh, no, clearly I, saying that right, but I just, no, I don't, I don't, went, I don't believe that at all. Uh, no, I mean, I, she ends up with her father dead, her child dead. She, her husband leaves her like she, she gets all of her comeuppance. She is a piece of shit and she gets everything she deserves in the end. Yes. Uh, at, unfortunately at the expense of so many people, which you're supposed to feel bad for all those people that are dead when dead in her wake or sure or mistreated in her wake uh sure so it it just it maybe not completely as a whole going okay everything's okay it's just more of the fact that that aspect is not it's it's just so washed over where it's just like no i yeah the shitty character should be shitty without and she is but you don't really see anybody else treating the slaves like that which is is the problem there but you it is but and if if we're going for how she treats them you don't really see anybody else doing that so it is supposed to be a problem as well okay just rushed away though oh no like, absolutely um and then you have the scene where uh the convicts come in to work at the woodmill Mm -hmm. And Ashley, the character, is just like, hey, why don't you just let me bring some black people in here and do it? And she's just like, no, I want these guys. The way that they just kind of shittily just go, hey, they're worse than what these convicts would be. It, it, like I said, the con... Oh, God. I movie so much. I'm just having trouble putting I, those words together. See, and I thought that was but, about her getting free labor out of convicts and possibly having to play to pay any black workers that would come in because of uh, how the law is going to work now, post-Civil War. That's right, that's right. Because, yeah, they were talking about how she would have to pay and feed them instead of the convicts, where... Which, yeah. which gets into a completely different problem with the 13th Amendment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You still there, Zach? I'm here. Sorry okay. about that. No, no, you've just been, you're just been quiet, and I, I wanted to make sure we still had you. Yeah, I was I was out, so I missed a couple of the things that Jonathan said, but uh, I, it's I okay. They the weren't well worded. It. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> so I apologize right, so, if I repeat anything he said. Do you have anything to add on Scarlett O'Hara, Zach? Um, just that I think Jonathan was saying this too. How she is the brattiest of brats. You you talk about her getting her comeuppance, but I don't know that it always translates for people who still like. You do see young women who repeat her. Um, her failings and her trappings of either pursuing men that are wrong for them or, you know, being so jealous and petty towards other people. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to get into some generalized sexism because that sounds horrible, but just, I was just gonna say, like, it, a, I mean, that kind of wraps up into like Scarlett O'Hara is to white women. What Tyler Durden is to white men. Wow. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Honestly, like there, there's, there's enough, there's enough there that you can make plenty of fight club to gone with the wind connections <laughs> where people 
that's a YouTube uh, video I want to see. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, going on interpretation is, is difficult because plenty of things are meant one way and Gone with the Wind is not a romance film, but it's still like pushed as a romance film. Fight Club's usually just kind of pushed as a buddy comedy instead of a satire. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So let's go ahead and take a minute and talk about Clark Gable. Let's. Let us do that. Okay. So here we have a character who you spend, I'd say, about 85% of the movie being probably the best part of the whole thing. Fair. And then you're brought to one scene, which probably one of the worst scenes in the movie. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because um, in case you don't know, it is the scene where they're both basically drunk. And as Paul had mentioned earlier, he basically rapes his wife. After saying he's going to crush her head. <laughs> yes. Yep. And then she wakes up and realizes that she loves him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <sighs> it's uncomfortable. I, Super uncomfortable. It, it's, I just don't know sometimes. It's the fact that you spend this movie liking this character so much. He, he's charm, and he's a gentleman while at the same time being, you know, roguish and rugged and Yep, you, you just there's nothing not to love about this character. A so well-written character erased after about 3 hours of a movie. Yep. Like just and I mean, at what point was that a good idea to anybody? That kind of and that kind of mentality doesn't it's something that still happens in movies within the last decade. Whether whether it is out and out marital rape which this absolutely is or something like the empire strikes back where Leia's continuously saying no, 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 no. And then Han Solo kisses her anyway. Yeah. It's still a yeah. thing. It's a pervasive thing that happens in films in the yeah. modern context. And you have to think it is a prevailing theory in the 1930s and in still many circles that you cannot rape your wife. Yeah. Which is yeah. fucking gross. <laughs> but and, 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 and what makes it honestly a little bit worse is the conversation that they had earlier in the film the i don't want to have another child you know what that means and he he's pissed about it you know he he throws the glass and everything but he's basically you're left with the thought of all right he's not happy understandable but they both came to an agreement of he's probably going to get some anyway from somewhere else right that's just what's going to happen. And then you're brought to this. And it's like, <sighs> it's so hard looking at movies with this kind of mentality, thinking that during that time, not even at the time of that, of the setting of the movie, but at the time of the making of the movie, right? That that was okay. And then going, I may know people who are alive during that time. It was not that far away. I think that's what unsettles me the most. I mean, my dad's father was born the year this came out. So yeah. while he was not like conscious during that time, I at least like knowing that I had met mm -hmm. at least two of my great grandparents. Yeah. So that meant they were old enough to have seen this and 
pass that kind of thinking down if they thought like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of want to wrap up the content part here soon because we, we all are in agreement here. The content of this film in the sense of the so not the social injustices that are done and as, as I had said earlier, glorified in this film are terrible. Yeah. And, and yeah. the fact that you get this opening crawl where it tells you like set in the South when, when men were pretty much knights and women, they're damsels. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, God, this, yeah. The, the last breath of American royalty wiped out by the invaders. Like uh, it's the whole fucking might. So war of northern aggression. Yeah. Attitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. If we're about to move on from content there, I just want to, you know, there are so many opportunities that the movie had where it like gets so close to like, okay, you could, um, the moment where the, the carpetbaggers come down and they're like, we're going to offer you 40 acres and a mule. Like, okay, they're not saying that the North was completely good and they were going to free the slaves. They probably didn't, many of them didn't care about that as much either. Yeah. I don't know. I I know that they... Um, yeah. It, 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 it's like you're showing what could be right in the worst possible way. Yeah. And right. and then by not even showing that it's but you're showing that it's wrong. You are going what this guy is doing is wrong because it came from the opposite side. Right. Aside aside again that I I was I was bringing the scene up earlier and I didn't get through all of it, but there's the scene where all the Confederate soldiers are hobbling down a dirt road all looking haggard and torn and as they're hobbling down a black free man and a white northerner are riding together in a buggy and one of them's like hey this guy can barely walk can you put him up in your buggy and they're like nah <laughs> now nah, this is the new way of of the south us yeah us blacks and northerners coming through and just leaving you in the dust literally <laughs> all right so now that we've gone through that, and and again we go in with agreement, the movie has a lot of bad messages. Bad. Mm-hmm. A disclaimer needs to be made at this point. Like the NAACP came in and, and advised on some scenes because they're worried about the depiction of um, black folk in the movie, and it's like sometimes, yeah, the the way they they made it look like uh, black folk were so obliging and so sweet and naive and innocent is like almost more offensive than yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. <laughs> I guess you know what I'm saying. Like that kind of complacency is not the way it really was. Yeah. Where. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I want to see people getting whipped and beaten, but I don't, it's almost more sickening to be like, Oh, they were just so happy to be taken care of by the, the gentlemen yeah. and yeah, they, 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 they had their white, white knights. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I had turned yeah. Jonathan on to this, uh, this episode of the Adam films version of the critic in the early two thousands <laughs> with the Patriot <laughs> where Mel Gibson's character comes walking over and he's, they're like, Hey master. And he's like, Oh, I'm not your master. I pay you a fair wage. Like I love picking cotton. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah. This encapsulates <laughs> the entire race dynamic in yeah. gone with the wind. Yeah. Um, all right. So 
the disclaimer here that I'm going to say is we are now going to talk about the film itself. We are going to separate the content. It does not mean that that content is being ignored. It's just, we need to be able to look at it as a film itself. Now, I believe Paul has already given us his view as a film. Paul thinks it's a masterpiece. Plain and simple. It's I disagree. It is technically one of the greatest films ever made that is in service to such bad messaging. Yes. It, I cannot agree with that. And and this is taking the content aside. Outside of the fact that we're given basically two movies in one. And the fact that they had to even rush large chunks of this movie. Which I feel most of that was done in the last half hour. And it wasn't the last half hour. There was still an hour left when it was done. When they, when, when Clark Gable and I'm sorry, for some strange reason, Clark Gable's, Brett Butler is, Brett Butler and Scarlett Hare get married. They, they rush through their marriage and we're given the only way to know how much time passes is through the growing up of Bonnie mm-hmm. um, because of this. And again, loving the Brett Butler character with how much he loves his daughter yeah, and, and how it's shown through the other characters too. I found to be one of the sweetest things ever. And I'm like, God, that is just, I feel like that's me with my daughter now. And she's just three weeks old that I'm going to go and buy her a pony and give her everything and spoil that kid left and right. And she is my everything. When Bonnie dies, I did not care. And I felt that was at fault of the movie, the way it was done. Maybe when I don't care as a new father, that a child was lost and I had zero emotion because I was checked out from this film. See, and that sounds like that's more on the fault of you. I, I, I really like Zach. I got to hear you because I feel like you, both me and Paul are so on the opposite sides of the spectrum of this movie. I want to hear what you say. I believe it is a technical masterpiece. Um, the acting is amazing. There are so many famous and iconic lines of dialogue. I don't know that the complete script is that great i do find it boring and part of parts of the second half and then i just get i get so mad watching the movie which makes it harder to enjoy um, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It, but, it really does darken the film but i i did feel something when bonnie died i'm i think maybe it could have been filmed differently to be more dramatic I, uh, uh Clark Gable's heartbrokenness of that, of that. And, and you never even really saw him during that time. Yeah. I felt him being heartbroken. I did. Yeah. Just by the description, just from the Mammy character of what she was saying. But yeah. I, I loved the echoes of that from early into the film, going through the film up into the end. And if, if we don't know, if I haven't said it on this podcast, one of my favorite things, any work of fiction can do is kill a child. <laughs> Now, this is all in, of course, context (laughs) of the story, because I feel like when you make the decision that you were going to kill a child in a movie, it needs to be in service of something. 
and not just yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, dead children. Ha ha. No. It, right. Oh, you mean like a much better movie that came out this year, like Of Mice and Men? There's no chill, dead children in that film. Doesn't Lenny kill the child? There is no child in that film. He kills a, he kills a, a grown girl. woman. I thought it was a little girl. No, it's a grown woman. I could have... Okay, that's fine. Literally watched it I'm yesterday. I'm thinking of freaking Frankenstein. You are thinking of Frankenstein. <laughs> I'm thinking of Frankenstein. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's a great film. Um, yes. But... When you make that decision, it's the decision that, that needs to carry some weight. And I think it carries right. a lot of weight for the character of Scarlett O'Hara. And again, it's it's in service of her selfishness that this child dies because she's just so set in her ways and the way she's going to do things. And in which so there were two moments where I was like, Scarlett O'Hara loves this child. Just two moments. Where I was like, is this child going to be the redemption of, of this character? And you know, obviously, I've seen this movie before. I know it's not, but it's been a while since I've watched it. So I was like, all right, maybe there's something to this. And then it was like, when she comes, when, when Bonnie comes back from London, yeah, you're like, okay, she missed her. You can tell that. Mm -hmm. She was happy to see her. And right before Bonnie dies, she's coming up with the pony and just the way that Scarlett talks to her. You know, I wasn't getting that mommy dearest kind of feeling from it. I was very much getting, oh, yes, darling, what are you doing? I'd love to see what you're doing. Oh, don't do that. But she loves Bonnie um, and the way she treats Bonnie the way she does is in spite of Rhett. Is sure. to spite Rhett. Sure. Yeah. The biggest issue that I have with this film as, as a film is going to be the length. I feel like if this movie would have stopped at as God is my witness, I'll never go hungry again. And you're given that beautiful backdrop, beautiful backdrop, backdrop is gorgeous. Good art. Oh, yeah. direction. Like, I just, you, you cannot fight despite my hate for this movie. You cannot fight that. The cinematography. I feel like the movie, it is. Perfect. The cinematography is great. I feel like the movie could have ended there on it's such a powerful note. And, 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 and I think it would have been better for it. And, a sequel, and I know there is, isn't there a Gone with the Wind sequel out there that's really bad? Okay. <laughs> it was like came out in the 80s, so I think. So in 1994 or 5, a movie, a okay. miniseries was created called Scarlet with Timothy Dalton playing Rhett Butler. That's right. And yeah. it picks up with uh, them moving to Ireland, I believe, and them raising their new child. <laughs> so yep. what would have been a good sequel would have been the second half of this movie. Or anything past that as God is my witness. Well, or I, I it's so hard for me to tell where the, the stopping point could have been. That would have been a powerful stopping point because you were given rising action. You were given climax. You were, it was, it fell down there. I, I, I just, it was too much, much too much. And, and I could see why people go. No, it's it, like, Paul, I saw you shaking your head there earlier. That was like, no, this film was the length that it needed to be. Or yep. hopefully you can at least concede to some scenes that probably could have been chopped. Yeah, uh, maybe I honestly like all the stuff I'd want to get chopped is all the stuff we've already talked about that just needs to be taken yeah. out of the yeah. movie. Well, I mean, yeah, no, there's, yeah. There's <laughs> outside of that, that content, but they're just unnecessary scenes. Um, because I thought the beginning was a bit too long, uh, with th basically the barbecue itself. Speaking of the barbecue, do you know who got the second line of this movie? Who got the second line of the bar the, of the, of movie? the whole movie? Some barbecue seller. It was George Reeves, Superman himself. Huh? Oh. 
is one of the guys that's trying to pick up Scarlet at the very beginning of the movie. Mm. Nice. I I just I I've, I said this last week where every week I look at this the the runtime of these films and go oh god can we get an hour and a half long movie and then knowing what I have to do to to come in to record this episode I was not looking forward to it and like I said it took the better part of the day to really get through it yeah. because it just it's so hard to watch <laughs> yeah I watched it in three parts it's like um and that made makes it easier to. Uh, digest especially if you like watch the first half and then you watch the second half later you can do that i feel like um because there's a passage of time in the middle so it's not like you're and and, and i feel like they they uh, that hollywood would have made more money off of that like i feel like the, the the people who made this movie could have made two movies and and i feel like it would have gotten exactly the amount of awards that it got the only thing you would not be given was the frankly my dear i don't give a damn i mean considering the, the first movie considering like, this is the highest grossing film of all time yeah it's kind of that's a hard argument to make. That is a very hard I, argument. To make. I, I I know, and I just I feel like it's possible that they could have done it that way. And the only way it w- would be to turn back time and say, "Hey guys, give this a shot." But I mean, like you said, I mean, with it being the highest grossing movie of all time, people sat for three hours and forty minutes and were super okay with it. I watched yeah. this film as a child on TNT with commercial breaks because I was so engrossed with it. And then for its 60th anniversary, me and my friend Courtney went to the local AMC and watched this in a theater. Yeah, with but the you're, overture, you're a, you were a special child. With, yeah, with the but, overture and with the intermission. Yeah. <laughs> which are cut Man, off of I'm, HBO, by the way, if you didn't watch it. Yes, they are. Mm. Yeah. I think, um, you know, obviously we've talked about Scarlet. You're not supposed to like her that much anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, if... If the, for me, if Scarlet was a more likable character, I, the movie could have even been longer. Like if, if mm. there's something redeeming, but it just makes me mad to and, credit to her being such a good actress, but it's got so tired of yeah. her whining and by it wears on me. And that part <laughs> makes the movie feel long. I, I'm kind of the same. I, I whining is literally the worst sound to hear in my ear. <laughs> And that is all she does throughout this entire <laughs> entire movie is just whine. And I, oh, I, th- that may be my problem. It's some weird ASMR crap that I just <laughs> see and can't hear it. And I love really bad main characters, like like yeah. well written horrible people as my main characters. Why Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver is one of my like top five favorite characters of all time. I like sure shitty characters. I'm not supposed to like. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's just, I mean, why do you think The Sopranos did as well as it did? It had a character you're not supposed to like, and it tries to fool you into liking them, which is why we got the Scarlet, you know, tries to build Tara back up after everything's been burned down, and you're like, oh, she knows how to get her hands dirty, and she's going to get redemption. No, she still ends up being the brat. You're still supposed to hate this character in every possible way, and you're supposed to love the one character, the one character who you spend is just the least amount of time who Scarlet actually did good for. And then that you get that one scene when she's got to go to, um, was it Ashley's birthday party after they were caught holding each other mm-hmm. and you're given that look and just how much she loves her. I just, I like that. I I'm with Paul. I love to hate a main character. I love it. Love it. I love it. it. It's, it's good times. I don't want 
Scarlet to be redeemed at any point. I think if she's a brat from the like, I got the beginning of her being a teenager. She's a child. She's supposed to be bratty. Yeah. And just she goes from brat to bitch. And that's the way it's supposed to go. And I'm cool with that. Yeah. All right. Um, anybody got anything else to say about the film? Um, so go on, go on, Zach. This it's kind of hard, you know, um, talking about Mammy specifically, like Hattie McDaniel I is, <laughs> Hattie McDaniel is an amazing actress and she deserved the award I feel. And, um, she did a great job, but yeah, though, she's, there's... A, she's a powerhouse in this film and I wish they would have given her a character worth playing. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. It's not her fault that the character was written the way it was or but, that it's a stereotype. And she, but she, I mean, essentially she, she knew what she was signing on for and she tried to make it the best version of that, that she could. Yeah. And yes. I absolutely applaud her for what she did. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the toughest part really when it comes to this entire film is having to see people sign up for these roles and having to play in the worst way possible, how their people were treated. Yeah. And you don't have any power to, to challenge it. Yeah. You, you literally can't go, Hey guys, do you think maybe, no, you are going to play a stereotype and you are going to just sit here and I'm going to pay you to watch what happened to you be just written over. Right. To almost be like, hey, this is what you guys had. This was great for you, right? Go play that. Yeah. And and it's especially hard when I like I said earlier, I spent most of my week watching other best picture nominees to to kind of reconcile my feelings on this film. Mm -hmm. And in some ways I I felt worse, in some ways I felt better. Uh, and when in the field, something like Mr. Smith goes to Washington comes out mm -hmm. and Mr. Smith goes to Washington has a very bright and positive political message and even has very like kind of shallow undercurrent of racial politics in it that if, uh, you don't pay attention to the editing, you can miss, which, mm -hmm. you know, kind of makes it a, a stance, but not a strong enough one. Yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, of Mice and Men has an entire scene where they kind of bring up the racial politics of, of Mice and Men with uh, the actress Lee Whipper playing a character named Crooks who in real life uh, Lee Whipper was the first African American to join the Actors Equity Association and one of the founding members of the Negro Actors Guild of America mm. and they have a scene where he just out and out is talking to Lenny about how abused and mistreated Lenny is. And he's like, Hey, could you imagine if you were black? Yeah. And it's like, man, yeah. they just went head on with that one. Didn't they? <laughs> right. Like, and, and again, it's not the, it's not the overall theme of the film. So it kind of gets lost in that shuffle, but at the same time it's there. So it, yeah. it's not like Hollywood isn't paying attention to this. Right. Yeah. And then they go and give Hattie McDaniel Best Supporting Actress the only black nominee to this point in 12 years of the Academy Award and pat themselves on the back for it for the rest of the time to where even like 70 years, George Clooney gets up at the Academy Awards 
and talks about how great and positive Hollywood is and how he pats them on the back for giving Hattie McDaniel an Oscar in 1939 and another black actress wouldn't win for another 50 years. Yeah. 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 That's bad guys. That's it is. Yeah. Do better. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Paul, I believe you look like you had the face of a man with some notes. Uh, I had a note. Let me see if I can remember it now. Um, Okay, so I had made mention up top about how Victor Fleming wins best director for this. Victor Fleming is one of, at minimum, and we're going to keep it to this minimum, three directors on this film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. The original director and the man who put most of this in place was a man named George Cukor, who was a out gay man in Hollywood in the 1930s. And... I'm sorry, Jonathan. I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin Clark Gable for everyone here at the party. Jesus fucking Uh-oh. Christ! You had to ruin something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Clark Gable was not very happy being directed by a gay man. So, I am in no way surprised. By it's this. not. It's not surprising in the least. I mean, thinking about how how far we have come up to this point, but the fact that you have to know gay men exist in Hollywood. You've worked with them before, yeah. apparently. Him and Charles Lawton didn't get along very well on Mutiny and the Bounty for this exact reason. Yeah. I just Clark Gable comes off as that man's man gentleman who just that's not something he's going to appreciate around him. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it's it's shitty. It's it makes him a bad person for it. Fuck, it's hard to do it, but you, you, he's a shitty person for it. Yeah. And, you know, and he, we're here in 2020 where people were lamenting the loss of Sean Connery, who was very open about how much he thought beating women was OK. So, yeah, no, Connery was a piece of shit. Yeah. Goddamn great. actor. Uh, also, he was <laughs> still Sir a piece of shit. Um, Sir Sir Fuck, you made me watch that. I still need to watch Have it. You watched I, no, it yet? I'm going to. I promise I will. <laughs> it was the first thing I did that day. I didn't mean for you to watch it. So that really amused <laughs> me. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I was just being an asshole and I didn't expect you to take that seriously. It worked. <laughs> I could have watched Dragonheart. <laughs> you should have. It's a much better film. Um, yes. All right. All right. Go ahead. So go anyway, ahead. he gets uh, George Cukor fired from the film. Uh, and I guess uh, Selznick tells Cukor that he's afraid that him being gay is going to affect him directing love scenes between men and women. So uh. he gets him fired for the film, but apparently Olivia de Havilland and Vivian Lee were very angry about this and kept him around as an acting coach. So good, good for them. Um, yeah, you know, and, and here we have a little give and take for Olivia de Havilland, who is upset that she lost to a black woman, uh, and yet is going to stick up for the gay man. And then on the opposite side of the coin, here's Clark Gable. Who's like, I don't want anything to do with gay men, but I'm really mad that the, my black co-star couldn't come to the, <laughs> people are strange mm. yeah it, it, it's so hard to enjoy old things it really is it yeah. really, but, really is but the problem is is that it's hard um like that's the issue yeah. so uh selznick working at mgm at the time uh knows that victor fleming is pretty much just down just in a couple sound stages over working on wizard of oz and he's like Hey, you're working on a color film right now. How about you come over here and work on this color film? And so Victor Fleming works until he literally just can't anymore. 
because he has just directed two major motion pictures in a row. Uh, also, quick note on Victor Fleming. Apparently, uh, Judy Garland on the set of The Wizard of Oz, a 17-year-old girl, please everybody remember this, could not stop giggling during some takes. Do you want to know how Victor Fleming kept her from giggling? Didn't he slap her? He would her? just slap the shit out of her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, That's what? <laughs> of course she deserved that Academy Award. Fuck you, Victor <laughs> Fleming. So anyway, uh, yeah. he eventually leaves the film because he just cannot work on it anymore. And Sam Wood, who is nominated for directing Goodbye Mr. Chips in the same year, <laughs> takes his place. Yikes. Wow. That is insanity. <laughs> and now, there are notes that at least five other people might have worked on things within the film and directed large chunks of the film themselves. But we won't get too much I mean, of that. There was plenty of film to go around. <laughs> yes, there was. So... <laughs> The fact, so this again brings up editing because the fact that they were able to do that with so many hands in the pot to come up with what they did is an achievement. Yeah. The fact that yeah. this doesn't feel like Justice League, which, <laughs> yeah. which is an yeah. hour and 45 minute movie that feels like three movies. <laughs> yeah. This is a three and almost four hour film that feels like one film. I mean, despite how you feel about the length, it at least all feels cohesive as a story. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty wild. Those are my notes. I think this is our, a gorgeous, film, but I'll get into that when I, when we get to our other stuff. Uh, so something we forgot to do after the breakdown uh, was the library of Congress archive. Yeah. I guarantee you this is in there. Yes, this is absolutely <laughs> in there along with, um, give me a second. I had the note here along with five of the other best picture nominees from this year. Now, were they all so all at the same the same year? They all went in at the same time. Not all in the same year, but all, okay. all six of the best picture nominees from 1939 went in. And I, I'm sure you don't even need to guess what year this went. Yeah, in. it's 80. It's 80. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, would you like to take a stab at which of the other five best picture nominees are in? Uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, obviously. Okay. Uh, Gone with the wind. Yep. Well, uh, well, there's six in total. We've already mentioned Gone with the Wind. So sure. Sure. Um, hmm. All right. Uh, Wizard of Oz, I'm sure, is in Wizard there. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Of, yep. uh, of Mice and Men. Nope. No. Of um, Mice and Men is not uh, one. Uh, of really? Yep. So Wuthering Heights. Yep. Stagecoach. Stagecoach. Yeah. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. It is not goodbye, Mr. Chips. Uh, so, I mean, that really just leaves what? Ninochka? Ninochka. Ninochka is the last one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I think I'm going to keep with this saying what else went in for the year. But uh, here, here's here is all the things that went in 1939 or for 1939. Uh, the City, sure. which is a documentary. Cologne from the Diary of Ray and Esther, a documentary short subject. Destry Rides Again, Early Abstraction, which is an animated short. Uh, Gone with the Wind, Gunga Din. Marian Anderson, The Lincoln Memorial Concert, which is a documentary. The Middleton Family at the New York World's Fair, which is an industrial film. I kind of want to check out whatever that is. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Midnight, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Ninochka, Only Angels Have Wings, which is the other film that uh, Best Supporting Actor Thomas Mitchell was in. Uh, so all four films that Thomas Mitchell did in 1939 are in the uh, National Film <laughs> Registry. Yeah, just nice. Just to let you know that. Uh, Stagecoach, Tevya, 
Verbena Tragica, uh, The Wizard of Oz, The Women, Wuthering Heights, and John Ford's Young Mr. Lincoln. So both films that John Ford directed in 1939 are both in the National Film Registry. Hell yeah, John Ford. Yep. Uh, And uh, Wizard of Oz, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and Gone with the Wind were all first ballot. So, I mean, and that brings up something I don't think we've mentioned on the cast yet, but uh, 1939 is probably considered one of the greatest years in film ever. I feel like I said that up front, but if I didn't, I feel like you maybe did. There you go. Yeah. It is is normally considered the best viewer in film by most film historians and critics. I also uh, would like to point out that I feel like that happens on the nines a lot. It does. 1999 rules. It is my favorite year of film. 89 is not to be forgotten. <laughs> Fair. Ghost came out in 89. That's a great film. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So now it's that time for the worsty judgments. So I'm going to start with, does this movie deserve best picture? No, <laughs> no. And, and I'm, I'm going to take the content aside, and I hate just saying it, but even content aside, The Wizard of Oz trumps this movie in every possible way. And I'm not a big fan of The Wizard of Oz, but there, that movie is just an achievement for what could have been done for the, at the time and what just resonates positively over the years. So I do not think this movie deserves Best Picture. With content... I don't think this movie should have been on a reel at all. Personal opinion. Zach, what do you think? Does this movie deserve best picture? Um, judged as it is against um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. I, I would just, I would like a movie with that kind of message and with that kind of content and that kind of timelessness in a good sense to have won. So I also like wizard of Oz better stagecoach is better. So I would say, no, it does not. It deserved its um, cinematography and editing and uh, whatever technical awards it gets. But I do not like it as a best picture overall. Okay. Paul, does this movie deserve best picture? All right. So going through it, it is nominated against probably the strongest field of best pictures. ever. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is one of my all-time favorite films. It is probably my second favorite Frank Capra film. Might be my favorite. I'm not sure. Uh, it happened one night. It's amazing. Um, the Wizard of Oz. Here is my three disc special collector's edition of Wizard of Oz with note cards and stuff. I have a, a, a postcard hanging over here on the wall with the cast of Wizard of Oz behind me that you can see once I start doing YouTube videos. Uh, here's my Criterion Collection version of Stagecoach. One of my beautiful. Somehow not John Ford's best film. Can you believe that? How is that possible? <laughs> That man's a fucking genius. I love John. John Ford's my favorite director, and he had two films come out in 1939. Two, and they're both masterpieces. Yep. Uh, Jeez, Wuthering Heights was gorgeous. Uh, What else did I watch this week? Gotta go back. Did you watch Love Affair, which is available on Wikipedia? (laughs) Which which you can watch on Wikipedia? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I gotta admit something. Um, I Jonathaned Love Affair. And by that, I mean, uh, I fell asleep during it and did not bother to rewatch it. <laughs> I was just about to say you fell asleep. Oh, God, you? I fell asleep so hard. I was tired, but I fell asleep. I was so bored. I was like, I don't care that I fell asleep 
which yeah. is which is why I'm saying I Jonathan did because I fall asleep during movies all the time because I watch movies so much that I, sometimes I'm just laying down and I fall asleep during a movie. My body, yeah. I fall asleep during movies because I got diabetes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Weathering Heights, Wizard of Oz, Stagecoach, Mice and Men. Again, incredible. Lewis Milestone is amazing. I love that book. I love that play. I love that movie. Everything about that is great. I've never seen Dark Victory or Goodbye, Mr. Chich. Ninochka is a beautiful film. Uh, and yes, the content of this film is empty and shitty. I hate it. I can't believe that this film is held up the way it is for so many years. Yes, this deserved best picture. It's a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> it is one of the most beautiful films ever made. It is expensive and it made a ton of money. Uh, it there's, I really, re let me, let Blood me, money. yeah, I fucking hate it. I hate how I feel about this film. When, when, yeah. when the word guilty pleasure comes into conversations, I cringe and I fucking hate it. This film is my guilty pleasure. I feel bad for liking this film. Not not like, oh, I kind of like One Direction and I I, I feel kind of goofy because I'm a grown ass man that likes One Direction. No, right. I feel like a piece of shit because I like this film. I hate myself for liking this film, but I can't not like it because when I watch it, it makes my eyes happy. See, I think you it's so hard pervert. to pull you away because you love cinematography so much. I love it so and goddamn much. <laughs> And this movie is beautiful. I'm knocking things over in my office because I'm so mad. <laughs> Normally, I, I I lift you up and I'm like, Paul, don't hate yourself. You're not trash. But, you know, right now you're uh, diving in the dumpster. So No, please. Yeah, God you damn. are a no. garbo human. <laughs> I don't. Like, seriously. I do not blame anyone for hating me if they hear me saying these words because I don't feel good about liking this film. This is what I put on, on Letterboxd. A perfect film with reprehensible politics. If this wasn't revisionist Confederate history that whitewashes the institution of slavery, it would sit in my heart differently. Fortunately, that is exactly what the film is, and it sucks that such a tech that such technical perfection could be wasted on such harmful material. I am giving it four stars, but mostly for its importance in film history because it is important. It is, and I fucking hate it. Don't like it. It deserves best picture. <laughs> it's so hard to hear. It it's. Mm. I'm not happy about right. it. <laughs> I know, and I'm happy. It makes me feel good that you feel bad, and that makes me feel bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's another thing wrong with Gone with the Wind, right? Like it is tearing us apart, Lisa. <laughs> uh, see, so. I texted the group that I was going to implode on this episode. This is what I meant. I, like I watched this movie, and I'm like, I hate every second of me loving this film. <laughs> oh, I, I just. <laughs> All right, so Paul, is this the worst best picture? No, <laughs> no. I, All right, oh. look, Zach. I'm, no. Nope. Oh, I just, ahead, I just need to defend. I, 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 I need to defend one thing because if 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 you're listening to the show, and two weeks ago you heard me lambast a fucking movie for selling out <laughs> to the Nazis, I pretty much stick by that. Because that's a film that's supposed to be about fighting injustice, and they whitewash the in, the injustice done. This is a bad film that's message is the South was good, and it succeeded in that message. As shitty as that was, that was its message, and it wasn't trying to say anything else. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, I I don't know that I am that I'm saying this properly. 
I, I feel like you're like, which one do I high five? The guy that's got a swastika in his chest and we can't see it, or the guy that's got a red band obviously right there. Who are you high fiving right now? <laughs> like, I'm not high fiving anybody. Essentially, what I'm saying is when your message is fight injustice everywhere while being like, but ignore injustice so we can get more money versus, yeah. hey, we're just going to pretend that none of this happened. And that's the message. I love you. I just need you to know this. I love Again, you. And that's, I, I, I love you. It's, it's about messaging. It's not the worst best picture. The worst best picture is still that fucking Nazi movie. <laughs> Zach, is this the worst best picture? So uh, I've been struggling with this all week, to be honest. And I still don't even know if I'm sure with my answer. It's like, so when I look at the life of Emil Zola, yes, the message was washed and hidden to appease the Nazis. The Nazis obviously were bad, like at, at that point, not, you know. I think through all points, the Nazis were bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, you know, Paula made the point that, you know, Jesse Owens had gone over there and made the declaration that, no, you're not the su supreme race. So it wasn't like, oh, we didn't really know everything about the Nazis. But at the same time, it's like their greatest crimes hadn't been admitted or hadn't been discovered yet. While when you look at Gone with the Wind, the crimes have been committed. The film doesn't address them. And that like that makes me angrier because the film has helped, like Paul mentioned earlier, continue this thing that is like still going on with this glorification of the South. And mm -hmm. it's like the impact that this movie has had, I am sure is greater than the impact that the life of Emil Zola had. Um, like and I'm holding it up now. I'm looking at Broadway melody. Okay. It's a bad movie. It's boring, but it doesn't make me mad like this one does. <laughs> but at the same time, all the awards it has, all the money it's made, it's still like, I look at IMDb, it's still rated 8.1 out of 10. How can I say that's the worst be best picture when it's still got such a claim and it's so loved and it's so technically beautifully made? So I, I guess I guess I have to say no, but I feel bad saying it. Yeah, it sucks. <sighs> it's like, okay. It, I don't want to step on it, sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm having an existential crisis right I, now. I think I'm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For the sake of the argument, no, but it's so close. Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Jonathan. Do you think this is the worst mm. best picture? Yes. Because I'm not a garbage human. Yeah, you are. And that's not even true. Yeah, I am. <laughs> so, no. All right. So you didn't call the Nazi movie the worst film ever, so. I know, right? And that makes me feel like bad. But now it's my number two. So just so you know. Well, it's my number three because the Broadway melody is really bad. But here's what I'll say. You guys bring up excellent points on why you say no, because this movie is a cinematic achievement. It is beautifully shot. It is well acted. That effort could have been for the betterment of mankind, not for just the showing and glorification of the worst of America. The fucking worst. All right. No, this movie is bad. It is a bad thing to happen. It may look good, it may look pretty, it may have the best of what could be out there, but this movie happened and it was a bad thing to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is the worst best picture ever. I would rather star 
in a Broadway melody as every role, personally, <laughs> and go out selling tickets by singing the Broadway melody for the rest of my life. I would rename my daughter the Broadway melody <laughs> before I admit that it is worse than Gone with the Wind. This movie, I, 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 I cannot in all good conscience, content and just as a film, I did not like, cannot say this wasn't the worst. I can't. And I don't not love you guys any less than I already do because you, you, you can't, I, I love you guys so much and I understand your points. Yeah. It's like, I, if I you just, were to ask me if it's my least favorite movie we've watched so far, I could probably say yes. Sure. I, I just, I, I wish I could. I, I, I just, I really <laughs> wish I, I want people to know that I think that the Academy giving any recognition to this film was the Academy saying everything that it said was okay. Yeah. I mean, and, that- it it's that's essentially it yeah yeah and 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 i and i just i feel like i'm bringing down the room with it and it just and it and it hurts so much because this like i said this is my mother's favorite movie and i remember as a kid my mom trying to like and my mom's so back and forth politically it's so freaking weird but you know <laughs> being a kid going hey the confederacy wasn't that bad they were just trying to had nothing to do with slavery and then going okay sure and just luckily i came out the way i did to go i no, none of none of this movie was good no good message came out of this film the one person who was good the one person who was good in this film died for no fucking reason because she wanted to bring more life into this and and I just I I hate content and direction and 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 the cinematography and I hate all of it because <laughs> of how good it is and how the effort could have gone elsewhere. Yeah. That is why I hate all of it the most. Yeah. So and it's just that's wasted beauty. That's impossible to disagree with. And so, yeah. and that's exactly what I said in my letterbox review. But as someone as someone who holds up film history and film restoration as as the most important thing. It's, yeah. it's hard to look at this film and say that the positive things that did come from it from a filmmaking standpoint where we are now at film, a lot of it starts with this film. And yes. that pisses and, me off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. I just, you know, yeah. who was stepped on <sighs> to get here? Yeah. <laughs> I. It's like, you know, here's another comparison. I can't say Volkswagen is the worst car company. I don't know. Do you know Fanta, the soda company? Uh-huh. Yeah. Started by Coca-Cola so that they could sell soda over in Germany during World War II. Ooh. Well, I don't like Fanta anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless. Fanta. But nonetheless, you <laughs> people don't think about these things. It, well, <sighs> I think this depressing note is uh how we're gonna end the night. Now I just feel bad. It, it, and and then that's okay. It's 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 <sighs> started angry, now I'm depressed. Hey, that's fine. <laughs> Next week we get a we get a Hitchcock film. Oh yeah. Which oh, yeah, hey, might, which is about possibly murdering your wife. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Altorn underscore Occam. You can find me on Twitch when we get back to doing that. When my daughter is probably eight years old or something like that, at Twitch.tv slash Altorn underscore Occam. Zach, where can we find you? You can find me at Critiker, uh, where. My username is Zachmaster, spelled with an X, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R. And I post my short movie reviews. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I think my my review for this, I gave it a 70, which is, you know, the, the generic number of, you can recommend it or you can't. It's like, anyway, so that's where I am. 
You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Father of the Fear. You can follow me on Letterboxd, that's letter B-O-X-D.com slash Vaudevillian, or you can just look me up by name where I gave this movie four stars because I can't get out of my own way sometimes. Uh, and Zach, what are we watching next week? As you mentioned, it's a Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca, which I can't find streaming anywhere. It seems to be an issue. I googled it, and people are like, where can you watch it? It's not even on Amazon Prime. It's part of the Criterion Collection, which you can watch on DVD, but I didn't see it on the Criterion channel either. Really? It's on my wish list for Criterion as well. I need to get it. Don't spell Rebecca wrong. There's a Rebecca on Netflix. But it's, it's, well, it's, it's a, a remake. A 2020 yeah. remake. Uh, Which I haven't watched. Yeah, Just Watch has. Oops, we couldn't find it streaming anywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, this, currently, this title is currently not available to stream on digital platforms. So, if, uh, so we'll have something to talk about there. Probably. Uh, I'm going to do a big old wink wink. Uh, if, you, if you need wink wink uh, a hookup i thought wink wink might be able to help you in a legal way very <laughs> yeah. legal way yeah very legal. very legal way okay the irony is not lost on me that this is our longest episode yet no right jonathan said it was going to be <laughs> yeah no I, I knew it was gonna happen all right let me do this thing now we would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, for producing our show. We would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pod and on Facebook at The OscarWorsty Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really, really helps us be seen by the great algorithm. Almighty algorithm. algorithm. We love you. For Jonathan and Zach. I would like for you all to have a damn fine day.